Wow. Hello. You are listening to the KGFC Festival Talks Podcast. I am your host, Craig Horsley, and we are coming to you from the Kew Gardens Festival of Cinema, running from August 3rd to August 12th at both the UA Midway in Forest Hills, that's on Continental Avenue and Queens Boulevard, and the Queens Museum, located in Flushing Meadows Corona Park. That's where the Unisphere and the 1965 uh, World's Fair was. It's a beautiful uh, outdoor area. And today we have uh, John Russell Kring. Yes, sir. And he was both the writer and director of the film Darcy, which is going to be playing on August 7th, Tuesday, at 345 at the UA Midway. And uh, welcome, John. Thank you so much. Uh, let me just clarify, I am the co-writer and co-director. Exactly, I'm sorry. Because uh, there are people that will slap me upside my head if uh, I take too much credit. And, and, he, and, he, and he had different, <laughs> two different co's. Yes, so many co's. Yes, yes. <laughs> Um, so your your wife was your co-writer. Yes, my wife and I, we make films together, and uh, we actually, before we were married, we were working together on projects, and it kind of brought us together. And so she is the uh, uh, was the cinematographer and uh, the co-writer and uh, also the co-editor on this particular project. And uh, when you co-write together, yes. uh, what's the dynamic on that? You know, that is... Uh, uh, I love it, you know, because I've tried to do things kind of on my own with just my own voice. And uh, when you're working with uh, a partner or, you know, in my specific case, working with your wife, you know, she is not afraid to go, oh, my God, I can't believe you just said that. Leave the room until you can come up with something better. You know, <laughs> she, she is extremely honest. And uh, sometimes we'll uh, speak back and forth. We'll do a scene, and um, she'll speak as the character, and then I'll uh, speak as the uh, other character. There are certain characters that um, I sort of connected with a little bit more than uh, she did because some of it came from uh, my past, you know, some of, you know, the experiences that I've had and some of it came from her. So uh, it is really kind of an, uh, a fascinating sort of a give and take. And uh, it's never really 50-50, you know. Uh, what you're doing is you're kind of bowing to the person that has the motivation and has the idea. And uh, with this particular film, it was so sort of uh, personal, uh, you know, in a way, and we took so much from our own lives and characters, and that's kind of the way we find names of uh, people. We pull them, you know, from my pa uh, from my past or from my wife's past, and she's from Saudi Daisy, Tennessee, so she has some very salty names uh, that. Uh, uh, there, you know, there's one character known as Pete the Creep, and there was a Pete the Creep in her family. So, <laughs> so being the co-writer with your wife, yes, uh, are you ever off the clock uh, when you're film making a film? We're, we're, well, I mean, we're all when we were in the process of uh, making that movie, which was a 13-day uh, shoot. Um, we were, you know, we were living at uh, the motel. We were. Uh, feeding the cast we were getting up in the morning and making breakfast we you know at pretty much almost 24 hours exactly. we were planning or shooting or you know doing something it was a very very intense uh process but i mean that's what i love about filmmaking is you know i liken it to either summer camp or war 
right. you know <laughs> you you know at the end of it you're going to have people that you can uh, have reuni reunions with and you can show pictures and show battle scars right <laughs> unfortunately when you're when you're co-writing with your wife you, mm -hmm. you you don't go to different tents at the end of no 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 unfortunately she and i shared a foxhole okay <laughs> <laughs> so before we go any further on 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 the making of the film uh, describe the film to me. Uh, Darcy is a, a, a some would call it a, a coming of age story. It really it centers around a, a 15 year old girl whose parents run a, a very down and out uh, motel, the sort of motel that we have all over this country. We call them no tell motels. Yes. You know where all of the things that you don't want to talk about end up happening. You know on the outskirts of town. And uh, one of the things that a, a lot of people are not aware of is that uh, uh, these hotels are being used as sort of halfway houses for people directly out of prison. So she is growing up amongst, you know, the uh, sort of the dregs, you know, of society, you know, drug addicts and, you know, uh, you know, people, you know, who are accused of crimes and who are getting over that and that type of thing. And they are her sort of, you know, her surrogate family. So, you know, I liken it sort of like behind every door, you know, of the motel is sort of a different, you know, Dante level of hell, you right. know, kind of thing. <laughs> It, um, so you've been inspired. What was your inspiration for this? Uh, well, uh, I lived in uh, a um, motel for about a year and a half with my family. We kind of got behind, and we ended up having to work the front desk to, you know, make up the uh, money. And um, I sort of had the experience of the kind of people that you know w would live there. There, uh, there was a actual. It was a pimp and his wife who were right down, you know, the, uh, you know, a, a couple of doors down from us, and they had a kid. So that was one of the things that, you know, I found very, very fascinating, that people, you know, that you have sort of made assumptions about, you know, actually live lives, you know. I mean, wh wh I remember reading a book called Nickel, Nickel and Dimes. Okay. Where there are people who... They just don't have enough money to make that down payment. Exactly. And so they're stuck living in a hotel. Right. And it actually costs more to live in a hotel than to live in an apartment. It, right. But <laughs> gathering up that nut for the first and the last and the security deposit and the electricity and all of that is very, very hard. So what you, you, know, so what you find yourself doing is you are making the best of a situation that you really shouldn't try to make the best of. You know, you are finding a way to exist in uh, and turn it into as much of a home as you possibly can, but it never really is a home. You know, that was one of the things that, you know, when we uh, were sort of decorating the rooms, we wanted them to feel like, you know, people were trying to make them their own. Exactly. Putting <laughs> but paint pictures on the, the Pictures walls. and your drawings and, you know, things that made, you know, them feel like, you know, they weren't living in a motel room. But there's nothing that's not going to make you feel like you're living there. Right. So, it, you know, it... Uh, you know, the you know, the other interesting thing about the film is it's, you know, uh, it's really a film about humanity and about sort of, you know, people who are trying, people who are struggling, people who are failing, and uh, we don't make a, a judgments about them. You know, I don't, you know, encourage or uh, even 
think about the behavior of these characters. These people are just trying to get by. They're right. trying to make it. They're trying to have families. They're trying to get over their tendencies. And, you know, that's a lot about, uh, you know, what the film is about with, you know, Darcy and, you know, Luke and some of the other characters. Yes, yeah. Where did you film the... Uh where did you find this hotel? It's a, it's a place called the Catskill Motor Lodge, and it's uh, just outside of uh, Woodstock. And it's uh, we actually had to make it look a lot uh, a lot worse than it actually is. I it's would a think so. it's a pretty nice place, <laughs> but you know to you know kind of get the uh, to get the feel because there were very very specific things that we needed. Heidi uh, Phillipson, who is the uh, co-producer and co-director and you know the one that I uh, partnered with really through this she found this incredible place that would we, we could live at we could eat at we could you know swim at we could do everything that we needed and shoot at the same time so that we could have that sort of that summer camp feel you know of all the you know all the actors and uh, the characters being together so uh I basically, you re- you rented the entire yeah place the whole place yeah basically the whole place. And the only thing is, we had to leave on the weekends. Okay. So that was so because you know that was their uh, busy time. So we, we had to kind of pull out you know uh, twice and then you know come back. But they were absolutely incredible, and I feel like the hotel itself kind of becomes a character because the, the other thing is it's a beautiful, beautiful area. Yes. And once you get outside of the hotel, there are some just beautiful shots that, you know, we wanted you to feel kind of like there is a kind of almost a fantasy world outside of just this very kind of closed in box, you know, that we all end up, you and, know, staying in. And where was this? Uh, that, that was uh, up in, in the town, actually, of Catskill. Okay. Yeah. And what season did you do this in? We shot in the uh, spring. Okay, so you know, but we were, but here, but here's the thing. Up to about three days before we were going to shoot, there was still snow on the ground. So we were because it was a very, very long winter. It was. It was a very, very long winter. So we, uh, it was uh, absolutely perfect timing because it got green right when we needed it to. <laughs> and it's the spring of 2017. Yeah, uh, I actually, I believe we shot it in uh, 2000. Uh, I think it was 15, 16. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think it was 2015. Okay, interesting, because it came out in 17. In 17. That was a whole process of uh, going through many, 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 many edits. And during the edit, did the story change, or was it just that you had so many... Uh, it's very... that You know, that is, that's a really interesting question. Did the story change? Um... I think the focus of the story changed. Uh, I think it came became a lot more about Darcy. Uh, originally, the name of the film uh, uh, was uh, "This Is Nowhere," and uh, we've got a lot of uh, suggestions and a lot of uh, extremely. You know, we did a lot of screenings for people, and every single one of them gave us something valuable that we could bring back to the edit. So um, I think the film got a lot better the more that we honed it, you know, and uh, brought it back to kind of the central part of it, which was there are all of these, you know, many, many characters. It is an ensemble piece, but, you know, the center of it is this 15-year-old girl. So so your uh, your wife was the co-writer. Yes. And uh, 
you had a co-director. Yes, Heidi uh, Philipson. She is an absolutely uh, incredible woman. It, she was able to really bring this thing. You know, she found our uh, executive producer and uh, uh, brought in an unbelievable uh, casting uh, agent and, you know, really did the things that I was not able to do. You know, I had done many, you know, I, I think at that point I had done like uh, 17 uh, feature films, but they were all on like super, super micro budget. And we wanted to take this one to another level. So bringing Heidi in really made all the difference in the world as far as the casting and, you know, location and everything. And she's really, you know, the reason that this film has, you know, been what it's been. And where did you find your cast? Uh, well, that really, you know, that came from the, uh, you know, uh, amazing, uh, uh, this amazing experience. I'd never worked with a casting agent before. Um, and she was able to bring some people, like, for example, like the first one who signed on that really made a huge difference was uh, David Thornton who was from uh, The Notebook and uh, Alpha Dog, and, you know, he had done a lot of uh, Nick Cassavetti's movies. Uh, and, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, that's somebody actually, I've seen him before. Right. <laughs> that's a whole other thing, man, when you see, you know, someone that you've seen before in your movie. And then uh, we, uh, Gus Burney was, this was her first feature film, but her parents uh, come from a, you know, the uh, the acting world Her and Gus played Darcy yeah she played Darcy exactly thank you for pointing that out yes. see I did a bad job of that who's Gus Burney <laughs> thank you for the podcast man you know explaining that for me uh, Gus Burney's uh, mother is on uh, Orange is the New Black and from Fried Green Tomatoes and you know and her father Reed Burney he just won a Tony Award. He won a Tony Award. After, after many years. Exactly. Being nominated. Well, many years of being nominated and also uh, appearing on House of Cards. Yes. And, the, you know, they are the family that Netflix built. So, <laughs> so uh, Gus had never done uh, a feature before. And uh, she just came in and there was just some star quality. I mean, just some people just have it. Right. And she was, you know, unbelievable. And since then, she's gone on. She uh, starred on uh, The Mist, the television series. And uh, she just did a Sarah Jessica Parker movie. And uh, she still takes my calls, but I don't think it'll be very long from now. She won't. So how old was she when she did this? Uh, she was, uh, I'm trying to th think, I believe she was 15. So were mom and dad up there with her, or did they? Uh, uh, for a little bit, okay, for, for a little bit, just at the beginning. Uh, she would uh, bring uh, some uh, really excellent chocolate chip cookies and that type of thing. But Gus really, it, it really kind of became about she wanted to fully, you know, immerse herself into the whole experience where uh, because we were we were kind of like dealing with how long could we shoot with her because you know she was 15 years old and, and that type of thing and she really started to push us she wanted to do longer takes she wanted to do longer days and uh, it's been you know she's actually nominated um, in this festival for uh, best actress she, she was wonderful oh she is she is I, she's heartbreaking you know
We'll see if her parents come to to the festival to see the film. Oh well, I mean, uh, you, you know, Reed and uh, and her mother have uh, come. You know, uh, a couple of times we've had an incredible, just you know, it, it is an incredible experience because you know they're coming from such a pedigree yes. of you know acting that uh, you know seeing sort of that we kind of started Gus's career and now she's sort of like you know you know exploding and you know that type of thing that that makes us feel really really good so it's I, it's, it's so exciting to see somebody who's starting out yes seeing their careers develop yes and blossom oh absolutely and you, and you want to be a mentor oh absolutely and and you know and when we were you know co-directing the film together Heidi and I you know sometimes uh she would take the lead, you're like, with, okay, with, you know, Gus, because, you know, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a guy, you know, I'm a guy, and, you know, and there, there are situations, especially some of the situations in this film that are, you know, very sort of unique to, you know, a girl's exactly. awakening, you know, her, you know, her, her coming of age, right. and uh, there was a, there was a scene actually in the film where her and uh, one of the uh, main characters, uh, played by Jonathan Tchaikovsky, uh, who plays Luke, um, and the, the scene was basically supposed to end with them just sort of looking at each other. And um, uh, Heidi uh, said, well, wh- why don't we have them kind of go into a little dance? And I was like, oh my God, no, we're not going to do that. That is so cheesy. N- nobody would buy that. And my, and my wife jumped in and goes, no, let's, you know, let's see if it works. I, you know, I, I think that they... they they want to have a moment here, you know, before, you know, this sort of climatic scene. And uh, I was like, fine, we'll do it. But, you know, I'm, you know, under protest and this is not going to make the film. And it did. So, <laughs> you know, that's one of those things that um, that Heidi kind of, you know, had the right idea about of, you know, having that sort of, uh, you know, the way a 15-year-old girl feels about her first romance and the moment that she wants to have <laughs> what's interesting is it's a film about a young girl mm-hmm. and you're a man and you had a female co-writer and a female director so correct co-director so it was very it was great well you had the female point of view i think that we need more of that i mean how many how many times do you like oh, i'm watching a movie and uh, there's a you know you know it's all men 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 then then the woman comes in and it's like, and she's a huge actress, you know. She's like, oh, they got Diane Lane. They got, so, you know. And it's like, she had nothing to do. Right. <laughs> she had zero to do in that film. Basically, you could just cut out female role and insert, and you've got Diane Lane, and you're not using her. Right. And I, I just think, well, what if there would have been a, a, a female, like a, a male female co-directing team right there? W- wouldn't that uh, woman have said? Can we give Diane Lane something to do here? Right. <laughs> Can we give her a moment? Not window dressing. Yeah, ex- exactly. You're not just, you know, the mother who's waiting for the kid to come home, or the mother who's waiting for the husband to come home, or the mother who's or the crying mother. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like how much damn waiting do we need here? You know, and I, I really feel like because you know of my wife and I writing together and Heidi and I directing together, it. You know, it really became about focusing on you know these moments and these women. You know, even even a, a character uh, like the mother, played by Bernadette Quigley, who does an incredible job in the film, because she has. Uh, it's a very difficult part because there's not a lot likable about her. You know, she is a hard woman who has let, led a hard life. Right. And her husband doesn't seem to 
have a hell of a lot of interest in her either. And, you know, she, you know, she wanted a moment, you know, at the end of the film where she and uh, uh, Darcy could sort of reconnect, you know, and have, you know, one moment where you kind of felt like maybe there's some hope for those two. Looking at the film, and as you're talking about it, um, there were two Academy Award nominees this past year that your film is almost a, a combination of the two. Lady Bird right. and the Florida Project. Yes, we have heard the Florida. It's, it's yes. almost like you you took the, the best of both worlds. <laughs> it, it, it is kind of inter- It is kind of interesting the way that that happened. Yeah, a lot of people are just kind. Of, there was a little bit of a Fl- the Florida Project thing going on here, and I'm like, we made it kind of before them, you but did. you know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's that you know that's the muse. The muse is out there, and the moment is right. And you know, uh, God and bless me- them. And you know, and, and the message has to get out there. Yeah, people, exactly. People are living like this. Yes, they are. And you can't pity them. You need to empathize. You have to. You have to humanize. Yes. You, you do not understand what someone else is going through. You don't understand. You know how what their struggle is, and uh, you know to me. In the film, the the family that works the best, the one that you know has probably the most functional relationship, are the uh, the pimp and his wife and their kid. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And you know that's the kind you know that's the kind of thing where uh, there were uh, people who watched this film and they said, I really sympathized with these characters, and then I went, I don't know if I should sympathize with them, and then I found myself coming yeah, back and sympathizing yeah. again. Yes. Yeah. So now that um, everybody should come see the film t- on uh, Tuesday at 3.45, but I'd also like to ask you, um, you've done shorts and you've done... Yes, shows. I have. What's the difference in the, in the two? I mean, is it... Uh, what are you finding the most fulfilling? Telling a story in a short period of time? I find shorts that? to be extremely difficult. Um, I, uh, I rarely watch shorts that I feel like really, really work. You know, um, I kind of talk... Uh, uh, my, my wife and I have talked about it, and when we make a short, it's like a short is like a joke. There's a setup and there's a punchline, you know, and you have to have a great setup, and you better have, you know, uh, the punchline has to make people go, oh, that's why I watched this, you know. And uh, for uh, shorts, you know, for the people who really, really uh, make know how to do it, it, they are incredibly powerful. Uh, I gravitate more towards features just because I want to spend time and I want to live in the characters and I want to have sort of the commonality of it. So, believe it or not, I find features easier to do. <laughs> uh, so, you fi- you finished filming this film in 15. Yeah, in 2015. And 13-day uh, shoot. Yes, 13-day shoot. Um Budget? How, how did you finance? What? How did you do that? We we had a uh, an angel uh, an angel investor who came in, and then us. Uh, you know, by hook or by crook. I mean, you know, you do whatever you can. I mean, uh, the budget's under a hundred thousand dollars, and it is a uh, you know uh, the the whole experience was you know when it came to the you know post production you know you just had you were on the ocean and you had to go with the tides right. you know and uh, you know it's, it's sometimes it's like aren't we done yet aren't we done yet aren't we done yet and something else comes in something else happens something uh, you learn something new and uh, 
you know, even something as simple as just going out and doing reshoots and, and having some beautiful drone footage, you know, really makes a difference in sort of just creating the world, you know, to where people don't feel like they're just kind of locked down. And that didn't happen until probably the last uh, three, you know, the last three months before we'd uh, finished the editing. So, you know, uh, for filmmakers out there, you know, uh, go with the pro you know go with the process and don't get frustrated with it because it really pays off uh in the end and sometimes it's that last ingredient that you put in that actually has the whole thing come together what well, something you said earlier and it's very interesting is that um some of the other people i've spoken to this week mm -hmm. um they'll have a script mainly with the shorts right and there's very little deviation from the script mm -hmm. to the finished product right and what you said was that at the editing, you kind of changed your focus. Oh, ab absolutely. So I mean, just the whole, you know, it's not necessarily we were cutting, like, you know, cutting characters or set cutting scenes or, you know, something like that. It's not like, you know, reshooting, you know, Justice League, you know. It's not like that. It, It's just finding the focus of, you know, uh, what the film and what the scene and what the moment needs to become about. And literally two or three seconds, even, you know, even a few frames can make a difference. And for the filmmakers out there, it's, it's, it's very interesting how films are made differently. Uh, you, some are tight, very tight in the yes. beginning. And then some, you just see something that just blossoms after the film, uh, the film has been filmed. Well, they're living things. They're, I, they're, I right. really do believe that a film, you know, has a way that it wants to be seen. It has a way that it wants, and you can stifle it. You know, it's it's sort of like raising a child. You know, you know how much discipline you know do you want, and how much you know freedom to explore. And uh, I think sometimes. Uh, filmmakers are a little have a little bit too much, you know, rod, and are disciplining their film and controlling what you know what it wants to do, instead of just sort of organically letting it bloom, you know. And this film definitely bloomed. And what's great is that you had two collaborators. Yes. Uh, two female collaborators with a male uh, writer and director. And yeah, and and the, and the film really is equal all kind of all the way through. We, even the fact that we wanted. Uh, uh, a female gaffer and you know you know the whole thing the whole thing about the whole uh, Hollywood you know women and you know working and all this type of thing the thing about that is, is that it's not easy the easiest thing to do is not to go find the woman because the guy is right there right he's right there he's available I've met him he knows people that I know we've drunk together we went we played golf and you have to inconvenience yourself. And that's what this business has to do. It has to start inconveniencing itself and forcing itself to get, give other voices opportunity. And the networking, you never know where you're going to find somebody. Yeah, absolutely. And so those out there who want to get in, they just have to keep on networking. They have to keep well. on networking. And people like myself and producers and that type of thing have to decide, come hell or high water, I want a female cinematographer, or I want a female gaffer, or I want to, you know, give half of the opportunities in this film to people of color. You know, quotas are really the only way anything starts, okay? And then after you have a fantastic experience, then you don't have to think about it anymore. And then you're, you've expanded yourself. So this film really was, uh, you know, 
all about it trying to find equality on every facet of the film. Okay, on that note, please give me the names of the uh, the direct your co-director and co-writer. <laughs> okay, uh, well, um, my wife is uh, Tracy Nicole Kring, and uh, Heidi Philipson is the uh, co-director, and her husband is a uh, producer, uh, Nico, and you know they're just just an incredible group of people. You know, by the end of this thing, you've just got like a hundred people that helped make you know this movie possible. You know, it's all about collaboration. It's all about everybody kind of having their moment, and you know, don't be afraid to step out of the spotlight because you know there's somebody who can juggle better than you okay i, mean, I hope that both of them and you have a lar- great future in the well, i appreciate that thank, thank you, you so much and uh we've been talking with uh john russell kring and he is the co-producer <laughs> co-director co- co- i'm co-director associate and producer co- blah, blah, blah. and co-writer so much stuff <laughs> um so before we leave i'd like to thank our wonderful sponsors blog talk radio for providing an excellent platform for our podcast I'd also like to thank uh, a Tease Cafe in Kew Gardens. That's where we have our, our official festival lounge, and we are. This is where we are. Great Lucas. Taping. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> taping the podcasts. Um, uh, just a reminder: all ticket and badge holders get ten percent off coffee and bakery items at Atiz through August twelfth. That's the end of our festival. And for m- information on how you may purchase tickets to the festival please check out our lineup of uh, films and events on our website. That's www.qgardensfestivalofcinema.org. And the Q is K-E-W Gardens at uh, festivalofcinema.org. And I'm Craig Horsley signing off. Thanks. Bye-bye.